Have you ever found yourself in one of those moments in life where everything feels like it's out of control? Where there's literally nothing you can do to advance, to work through your situation. One of those moments where there's no amount of resources or money or networking or friendships or like there's just nothing you can actually do to get out of a situation, to, to reach a goal, uh, to change a, a bad medical report. One of those moments where if God doesn't show up, and I don't mean like you get a little bit of luck. Like, I mean, if you don't experience something that's undisputably a miracle, you're not going to be able to make it through. You're not going to be able to accomplish or reach that goal. Has anyone been in that space before? Uh, for me, I found myself in that very same spot in 2013. So 2013, I was graduating from university. I was super young, younger than I am now. Um, and yeah, I was graduating from university, and, and uh, I knew that God had called me to move to this side of the world. Uh, I was pretty convinced God wanted me to come to Hong Kong, but there were these massive, massive barriers in my way. There were three things, so let's break them down. The first thing, probably the biggest thing was this. I was not a citizen of any country. That's kind of hard. I had no passport. See, my family moved from Liberia. No, my family fled Liberia as refugees in 1994 during the Liberian Civil War. So I came to the U.S. under what's called a United Nations travel document, which meant I couldn't just leave and go to another country. And so if I wanted to come to Hong Kong without a passport, without belonging to anyone, that would have been extremely difficult. Now, my family had experienced going through this process of trying to get my citizenship so that I could have a passport. We tried years and years and spent thousands of thousands of dollars and to no avail every time something was wrong or I needed to send another document. There was always something extra. And we tried for upwards to seven years and could not break through this. And now I was needing it in three months. It felt like a proper uphill battle. The second thing was this. As I was in university, I was, I was a broke college student. I had no money. Literally, I had no money. So in order for me to come to Hong Kong, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but Hong Kong is, and they hold the number one ranking in this, the most expensive city to live in for someone who's an expat. So you can't just like show up to Hong Kong and I'll make it doesn't really work that way. You kind of have to have some money to be able to get around in this city. And I had none. I had zero, well, not zero. I had a total of, big number here, 11,000 Hong Kong dollars. It's not going to get you very far if it even covers rent, right? We know how expensive it is here. And so that was the second big obstacle. The third obstacle was around my degree. Now, I was studying psychology. Yes, I studied psychology. I can help you with your problems. Um, but I was in this course. In order to graduate, I needed to pass neuroscience. Who even knows what neuroscience is? Don't raise your hand. Don't do it. I, I studied it then, and I still can't tell you what it is. But this course was extremely difficult. Like, y'all, I've been through Greek 1 and Greek 2, Hebrew 1 and Hebrew 2, and I would much rather take those again than neuroscience. Um, yeah, so I struggled in this course. I remember taking a test and actually being present and going through and filling out the answers and getting my score and getting a zero. 
I needed, so you're saying three massive obstacles, citizenship, finances, and needing to graduate in order to come here. I, I knew God wanted me here. I think we've all been in that space before. We knew God is doing something. We know he has a plan. We know he's building something. But unless the Lord himself does something, intervenes in our space, we're not going to be able to get there. Like, think about how we are now. Like, what do we do when we face that? When we're in those moments where your best effort just isn't good enough, how do you respond? Like that. When life seems to not be responding to you, think about what Hong Kong feels like now. We've been through massive political changes. The political landscape of our city is vastly different. We have friends and families who are leaving the city. There's nothing we can really do about that. Think wider. It's going into the third year of COVID. It was COVID-19, now it's COVID-20, now it's COVID-21. It just keeps going. And there's nothing we can really do to change that. Our best effort doesn't stop these things. They're bigger than us. And we sit in this space of anxiety and tension and frustration where we start to lose hope in the promises of God. We start to forget who he is because we are engulfed in our fears and our anxieties. It makes us feel restless and tired. It makes some of us tired of being tired. These tensions that we face now are nothing new to what the, the biblical audience would have experienced. When we look at Scripture, we see that the people of Israel, they had some pretty rough experiences. These were the same people who were once exiled out of their country. So people came in, the Assyrians and the Babylonians came into their country, burned down Jerusalem, burned down their temple, took them back as slaves. They had no country. They were exiled. Their identity ripped from them. They know a thing or two about tension, about anxiety. These are the same people who had foreign people living in their country, occupying their land. If we look at the day and age of Jesus, you have the Romans occupying Palestine. They know a thing or two about the tension. They know a thing or two about anxiety. And actually, as we look to Scripture, that's the context is what I want us to think about when we look at Psalms 127. See, 127 is written by Solomon, and he's addressing these very tensions in a unique way to bring peace to the followers of God, which sounds odd because there's tension, so how can you have peace? But Solomon was the wisest man in the world, so he, he was able to get us there. Psalm 127 sits in the middle of a bunch of psalms. There's Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. These are called the Psalms of Ascent. What would happen here is that these, uh, the Jewish people would, would keep these songs on their mind as they would travel into Jerusalem. Jerusalem was located on a hill, hence why it was a song of ascent, right? So they would remember these truths. They would speak these truths. They would recite them. It would prepare their hearts for something about God in order that they might worship, in order that they might connect with him. There was something in the Psalms of Ascent, especially when we look at Psalm 127, that really reshaped and reframed perspective. It's how they would remember who God was. God's word here was a reminder for them. 
for those moments when it does feel like things are literally out of control. So those moments where, where you do lose hope and lose perspective on who you are and potentially even on who God is. So I want us to crack our Bibles open today and look at Psalm 127 and see what King Solomon writes and how that might change our perspective, how that might remind us of some truth to address our anxieties, to bring stability into our attention. 127, Psalm 127 reads like this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. He grants sleep to those he loves. See, this psalm is speaking about the role of God. It's helping us understand a little better what is God's role, what is our role. Who is God and what is his role? Who are we and what is our role? And the first thing we can see about this is unless the Lord builds the house. See, who is the house builder? The Lord is, right? And so we look at this and we see that God is the one who is responsible for building your house. God is responsible for building your house. It's up to him. It's not solely up to you. It's not solely up to me. This is good news. This is really good news, actually, because God is the one that's building. He's all-powerful. What can he not do? If it's up to him, it's significantly better than if it was stuck with just you and stuck with just me. So the, the, the house that's being spoken here can refer to two things. The first thing being the family household, the actual mom, dad, children, all of that. And so potentially you're here today and you're in that space. You're experiencing a difficulty maybe being a parent. Maybe you're here today and you're trying to have a family and it's hard. Maybe you're here today and you don't know how to respect your mom and dad. I, I want to encourage you that God comes alongside. His efforts are what builds us into what we need to be in order to have a successful family. It's God who establishes the family. It's God who builds the family. Please don't take that responsibility on only your shoulders. The, the, the house also represents a second concept. When we think about a house, we think of basic needs, you know, a roof over your head as a basic need. And so when we see it in that light, we realize that it is God's responsibility to provide for our basic need. Maybe you're here and the financial times has been a hard struggle for you. Maybe you haven't found a job yet. Maybe you're in between jobs. Maybe you're unhappy at your job. Maybe you feel like you're just waking up to work. Can I encourage you that God builds our house? God's there. He knows. He's with you, and he's building alongside you. You don't have to burden and carry that on your own. Building the house, building the temple. See, we actually talked about this earlier in the year. Pastor Andrew went through a series. I remember my, the, 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 the one thing I remember from that sermon is, God bless it, God bless it. Was anyone here for that? Yeah. All right. So it's about Zerubbabel back in Zechariah chapter 4. And Zerubbabel has laid the foundation for the temple. And, and God speaks to him, and he's talking to these people who are going to be laboring, physically building things, people who need strength and who need power. And he says that it's not 
by might. It won't be by power, which is contrary. Like, how do you build something without might and power? God says it's by my spirit. Like, we must be partnering with God to build anything. It must have something of God in it for it to be built. This verse is telling us that apart from God, we actually can't build or accomplish anything that matters, that's lasting. God is the chief builder. He's the actual one building. He's the only one that can properly establish. He brings into existence what is not. Further, it says that he is leading the charge and he's building the whole thing. And if he is not doing that, then our efforts are in vain. Maybe vain's a fancy word. I'll break it down. It's a waste of our time when we put our efforts into the things that God isn't building. Like, you, you waste your actual time. And why is that? Because it, it, unless the Lord is actually building it, the things that we might be building end up being void of meaning. And who wants to work? Who wants to sweat? Who wants to pour resources and years and tons of energy into something that will not last, something that does not ultimately matter? Notice that God is calling Notice that God is calling us into this. I think it's a little tricky sometimes. Like we hear this, that God is building and we have to leave it up to God in order for it to be accomplished. And some of us might think that that means we get to sit on our hands. It's not what it means. No, we don't get to just give it all to God and say, okay, you figure it out. I'm going to go take a nap. It's not what it's saying. No, see, there's the builder and then there's the laborers. There's God's role and then there's your role. We are called to, as the New Testament would say, co-labor with Christ. We are called to be a part of what he's doing. He has invited us in. It's an invitation to join with what God is doing in the world. No, we have a role. This verse is not an excuse to put down the things that God has put in your hands. But instead, it's to put down the desire to control your life. We build alongside him. We build alongside him. See, this is ultimately because you and I, we have a limited perspective. What we see, where we are, what we can fathom is limited. But God isn't in that same space. See, God, God is above these things. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows how the story goes. He knows how it ends. He wrote it. And so when we build what he has designed, it has meaning. Unfortunately, we can find ourselves attaching ourselves to things that have no meaning, building and sweating and toiling behind things that have no meaning. And the only way for our lives to be fruitful, for the things that we are building to last and to matter, is if it's partnered with what God is doing. See, God has done this funny thing. He's put us in a position of not ultimately being in control of our own lives. I think about that. You actually don't have ultimate control of your own life. He's caused you to have to be dependent on him on purpose. That's by design. 
And that's probably a scary reality. I mean, think about how our world operates today. It so overemphasizes what we can do. If we just get the right job, if we just marry the right person, if we just go to the right school, get the right grades, have the right internship, grease the right elbows, that's actually not what this scripture is saying, though. See, the scripture is countercultural. And the things that our culture and that our present age promotes and are overexerting ourselves is tiring. It does lead us to anxiety. What happens when we do all that and we still don't get there? We live in this space, in this cloud of anxiety. Remember, Jesus tells us that following him is different than living in the world. He says his burden is light. Did that sound light to you? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's not called us to carry all these things. See, if we don't let God build, if we don't allow him to be the chief architect of our lives, we end up building a fallen version of God's plans, something that will break, something that will wither, something that's imperfect. See, the version that God wants to build is meant to be unshakable. The version that God wants to build is meant to last. And that can only happen if we let God in the driver's seat, if we allow him to assume control, if we build alongside him and we learn to be dependent. And there's actually a peace in this. Like there is genuine peace in knowing that. This peace comes from knowing that it's not just up to us. It's not just up to you and me. God is actually the one who's responsible for his people. So yes, God is building, and he's responsible for the building project. He's responsible for your future and for building up these things. But ultimately, he's responsible for those things because he's responsible for you. He, 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 he's responsible for you. Like, you are his. We belong to him. We're not left to fend for ourselves. We've been grafted into his family. So whether it's your five-year plan, whether it's, it's your family, whether it's your future, whether it's getting into a certain school, know that it all belongs to him because you belong to him. And so we can breathe, people of God. We can take a breath. He's got it. He's got the house. He's got our future because he's got us. See, for me, I got to witness this firsthand. Coming to Hong Kong was the uphill journey, like I explained, right? The three things, the, the passport, the money, and the grades. So what happened to me was, again, miraculous. We had been trying for seven plus years for, to, to get my naturalization through the U.S. And, and within three months, we get a call from immigration saying that my papers have been approved which was massive. I mean, we, we've kept trying. I, either Someone would misspell a name or would say something about this or would write this, and there'd be something wrong that would restart the whole process. Not just like back a setup, the whole thing. I got, the papers were approved. They set a date. This date normally is set for anywhere within the next two years. It was set for that month. I mean, I'm not that smart, but I passed the test. <laughs> it was great. But you see what I'm saying? Like, this is something I couldn't do on my own. I genuinely had no control. I had to let go. I had to let God 
do it. I didn't know anyone. I couldn't navigate that space. But God came through for me. God broke through the impossible for me. Do we see what he does when we allow the chief architect? He was building this. This was his goal. Do you see what happens when we allow him to step in? Let's talk about finances. Remember, I was a broke college kid. So coming to Hong Kong was going to be difficult. Uh, my friends, Iram and Rick, and I prayed. <laughs> we said, God, and you know, when you're, when you're young and in your 20s, you can pray crazy prayers. We're like, God, give us a free flat. Looking back on it, I realized how much faith we had. Um, you're not going to get a free flight in Hong Kong. You're not going to get free anything in Hong Kong. Um, but we prayed and we believed. We said, God, you want us to get there? We, we don't have, we, we need this. We genuinely need it. And, 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 you know, God didn't give us a free flight. Instead, he gave us a flat where we paid one U.S. dollar for a whole year. I think that, that does the trick, right? Was that good on his end? God provided, guys. Like, again, this was, I didn't know anyone here. I'd actually never been to Hong Kong before I packed my bags and moved all the way over here. So I didn't know people. I didn't have networks and communities, and I, could, I, did, I knew no one. Unless God went before me and did the things God did, this wouldn't be possible. God built the house. He got me here. And I believe God wants to do the same thing for us, void of us having to stress and toil and strive and live in deep anxiety, questioning who we are and questioning our, our maker. The verse continues. Solomon then reveals a second characteristic of God that's pretty important as well, speaking to our attention. See, he says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen watch in vain. So now he's talked about God's ability to build these things up, now he talks about God's ability to protect. And what we see here is that God is the guardian. He assumes that role. We see that only God can protect what only God can build. Now, this can be hard for some of us because we realize God gets us here and we think that, okay, God's got us here. Now it's up to me to keep God's promise alive. There's a freedom that it's not all on your shoulders. Hear that the sovereignty of God is what brings protection to us as individuals and to our wider communities. God will protect what God will build. You don't have to fight alone. There is another person fighting on your behalf and fighting with you because he's responsible for you and he's got your best interest in mind. See, God will build and he will protect what he builds. God will build and he will sustain what he builds. The second thing we get from this space is that God sees and cares about what happens to us and what's happening around us. Now, I think it's awesome that the verse doesn't just say, God gives the plans for building and then the builders have to do it. You notice it's not what Psalm 127 says. It, it speaks of what God does as a verb, an action. It says, unless the Lord builds... So he's involved in the building process. He's not sitting far away, removed from us, expecting us to figure it out. No, God is there. And because he's there, because he's a part of the building, he sees. He sees what's happening. He knows the context. He's aware of the surroundings and the environments. Therefore, God knows the things that we need. See, God 
sees, and because he sees, he cares. He knows what's on our heart. He knows how difficult COVID's been. He's not unaware of it. He's still building. He knows what 2019 looked like for Hong Kong in the aftermath. He's not unaware. He's not confused up there, detached from our reality. He knows and believe this. He's still building. He's still building you. God knows what's around us. He knows the things in our space. And he cares for us. He cares about the things that we face. And it's really great. Peter in the New Testament actually says this. He says, cast your burdens onto him because he cares for you. Like, yes, our God is able to build and sustain but he does it out of care, not just out of almighty power. So could we cast our burdens today? See, this is where I find my rest when I'm in moments of anxiety, when, I, when I'm afraid. It's this idea that we can rest when we know he is still fully in control, even when we are not. God's still building. Here and now, God's still building. God's still sustaining this is where rest comes from. This is where stability comes from. This is how you can sleep better at night. We find peace when we realize that God's going to build it and God's going to be the one to protect it. And he invites us to be a part of it. So I get to Hong Kong. We are, we're all learning so much about me today. I get to Hong Kong, and, and obviously I'm not still living in a flat that's only $1 a year. That, that, that bit ran out. Um, that would have been great if it stayed this long, but it didn't. Um, so, yeah, I'm here, and, and, and I'm actually working as a volunteer, a.k.a. I'm not getting paid. I am volunteer working. Um, and it's quite hard to live in Hong Kong as a volunteer, right? I think we all, not as many people here are just living as volunteers, from what I can tell. Um, I needed money. I had none. And it was really interesting how God put the right people in front of me. Like, he literally put people in my life that I would have never thought to ask for money. Um, I'm really bad at asking for money, by the way. Like it's, it's, I'm glad I didn't have to ask too much or I would have not made it. But I had friends or acquaintances, maybe not even friends from university, people that I didn't really talk to that much that would send me near about 3500 a month just because they were praying and they felt like they wanted to support Promise where he was. Like a guy who I had gotten into a fight about relationship stuff with who tried to date my now wife. He sent me money. <laughs> Get that. Only God can make that kind of stuff happen, right? Like there's no smoothing. We're, we're best friends now. He just had a baby. I just had a baby. We're great. But the point of the story is God was watching out for me. He was the one sustaining me. Another man in Hong Kong was sending me 2000 a month. Okay, so we got a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, I, at that time, my wife and I were not married. We were dating. I was in Hong Kong. She was in the U.S., and, and I needed money to be able to propose to her because I wanted to get married, and I wasn't making any money, and the money that I had, I was eating McDonald's with it, so I was not able to save it up and propose to her, and, and I just remember there was this Sunday. I led worship at the church that I was serving at, and this couple came in. It was their first time. The guy was this tall, slender, white guy. Uh, the woman was a Chinese lady They're from Shanghai. They'd been living there for years, and they were just up in Hong Kong. And, and afterwards, they were like, hey, let's take you for a meal. And I said, yes, because you know what? It would be free. <laughs> um, 
So we go to a meal, we go to Tai Hang, I get good chasu and good iced milk tea, living my best life. And I'm just telling them about my life. You know, again, I'm bad at asking for money, so I'm not asking. I'm just telling them what I'm doing in Hong Kong and how long I had been there. And I brought up the fact that I had this beautiful girlfriend back in America who I couldn't wait to marry one day. I was deeply in love with her. She was going to move to Hong Kong. We are going to have babies. And this whole, had this whole plan mapped out. And the very next Sunday, I come back in, and I do my thing, get up there, plug the guitar and lead worship. After worship, the sermon comes up. After the sermon, we're getting ready to go, and they bring me an envelope, and, and it's full of cash, approximately $25,000. Y'all, that's unreal. <laughs> that's unreal. 25000 they said, we feel like God wants us to bless you. The, the ring that my wife wears now is because of God providing then. To make it even crazier, we go to the jewelry store, and I only have my 25K, which is like a trillion dollars in my mind at the time, and, and I'm like, I need a ring, but I know nothing about rings, and rings, rings are expensive. Diamonds cost a lot of money. I learned that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I talked to the guy, and he was like, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, and you work for a church. I will give you the ring you want for however much you have. Again, this, this isn't normal. This doesn't happen every day. God continued to provide, continue to sustain. So what do we do with that? You've heard my story. You've heard what God's done for me. And we hear that God builds and he, he protects what he builds and aligning ourselves with him. How do we enter into that space? Maybe the first thing we can do is in our circumstances, where, where we are, in the tension, in the here and now, the first question I think is good to ask yourself is this. Is this something God is building or something I'm building on my own? I think that's really critical. Right, because I could not on my own have accomplished those things. I had no shot at doing any of that. But because the Lord was building, those things were able to be accomplished. Ask yourself, is this something God is building or something I'm building on my own? Because if God is building it, hear this, it will not fail. At the same time, it'll probably be hard. Like, let's not live in a Christian fairy tale where it's like, God's doing it, therefore I will have no problems and butterflies and rainbows everywhere. That's not our reality. See, God grows us in that tension. God anchors our faith through those difficulties, but he comes through. He doesn't start what he doesn't plan on, uh, doesn't start what he's not going to finish. That's not our God. It may look different and it will cost you, but your time and your commitment to God will not be in vain. So let me give us a couple of things that we can do, a couple of little practical steps that we can take in order to address the fear in our hearts, in order to address the anxiety that we feel, in order to find some sense of peace and stability here and now. The first thing is this. It's a realization that we have to keep with us. We must first realize that we are positioned for success when we are dependent on God. Not when we are dependent on ourselves, not only dependent on our paychecks or on our GPAs or on the people that we know, but when we are dependent on God. God builds and guards by his grace. Therefore, we need him. 
We need him. John would say in the New Testament that apart from him, we can do nothing, right? He's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But then Paul would say that I can do all things through him. You see that this big thing that we have to have God as a part of it. We're dependent on him. And one of the best ways that we can be dependent practically, I thought I was get practical, is this thing called a Sabbath. Now, I know it's not popular. It probably sounds like some old Hebrew word. I think it is an old Hebrew word. But the Sabbath was instituted from the very beginning for us, for our good. We look back at the creation story, and we see that after six days of working, God rests. And perhaps that is a pattern that we are meant to live within. Perhaps God is actually asking us to take a day where we don't assume the position of the person who applies or who, who provides for ourselves. Perhaps there's a day where we physically rest, where we mentally rest, where we bring our anxieties and our cares to God, where we remember who he is. See, in the Old Testament, when God's people would rest, God would, he, he would provide for them. It's interesting. It requires you to rest before you get that provision, but he will provide. Do we have faith enough to take a day a week and dedicate it just to remembering that we are ever dependent on him. The second thing, point number two, submitting what we have to him. See, submitting is an interesting word because I don't think we fully, I won't use the word submit. Let's take what we have and let's bring it to God in prayer. That's a bit more straightforward, right? Let's bring what we have to God in prayer. Maybe you don't know if what you're building is aligned with God. It's okay. You can bring it to him in prayer. You can ask him to search your heart. David, the man after God's own heart, is the one that writes the psalm saying, search my heart. Look and see if my motives are clean. God, am I aligned with you or am I not? I don't want to be building what you have no part of. Can we submit ourselves to God in that way? And one of the ways I think we can do this is through confession, and not just a confession of what we've done wrong, but a confession to God of how we actually feel. Guys, we're tired. <laughs> it's been a strong and difficult couple of years. I don't know how long it's been now. It's been a long time. Maybe we can get honest with God. He doesn't just want to hear your good thoughts <laughs> and your good prayers. Like, get real with him. Tell him that you hurt, and tell him where it hurts, and tell him why. Tell him the things that are on your heart. Bring to him your actual fears. Let him know, God, I'm anxious. Could you help me? God, I fear. Could you help me? Guys, he listens. Remember what we said earlier, he cares for us. We can cast those burdens. We can bring that stuff to him because he cares for us. The third thing I want to say is this. Seek him first. The idea of striving and worrying and anxiety, trying to control things, is all a coping mechanism. It's all a coping mechanism. It's what happens when we try to meet our needs and protect ourselves, and that's completely normal. You're not odd for feeling that way. But here's the thing, Psalm 127 is telling us that we don't have to feel the pressures 
to do that on our own. We're not ultimately responsible for just ourselves. Jesus does something really interesting in Matthew 6, piggybacking off of Psalm 127. He gives this fantastic example. He says, look at the flowers. <laughs> These are probably big, tough religious guys. He's like, look at the flowers. So then they all come down and look at the flowers. Let's look at the flowers. He's like, look at how they just flower around. They just do flower things. You don't see flower number one talking to lily number two being stressed. You don't hear the rose over here like, my anxiety this week. Right? Like, they just do flowery things. Hang out in the wind and sway and get picked by kids. Um, but they are flowers, and that's it. And yet, God provides for them. They don't have to worry. Guys, flowers don't have to worry. And then Jesus is like, okay, let's take it a little further. The birds, so they've looked down. Now look up. Look at the birds. They're just tweeting, and not Twitter, but tweeting. They are singing their songs. They are being birds. They, they can't populate the ocean with the fish they need. They can't populate the ground with the worms they need. But they don't stress over it. They're not anxious over it. God takes care of that for them. And how much more will your Father in heaven do for you? See, it's a really cool principle. He's calling us not to seek the things we need, but to seek God, to seek him first. So what it comes down to is this. It's not by seeking after the things that we need that we're actually built and sustained. It's the opposite. It's, it's by seeking after the builder and the sustainer. Focusing on his heart. Asking what he's doing, asking for a new perspective, asking him to change our hearts. That's what the birds do. <laughs> they just do bird things. The flowers, they don't have to be anxious. They don't have to worry about tomorrow and their needs. God does it for them. God's building us, guys. He's building us. He's building our futures. He's finding us where we're weak, and he's saying, it's okay, come. Come. Come to me because I can do it. I can build. Cast your anxieties on me. Choose to boast in my strength. Do you feel tired? Has it been a hard couple of years? Do you feel like you've hit that spot where there's just nothing left that you can do to move forward? God invites us to him when we're there. He invites us to dependency on him, yet to a collaboration into these big eternal things that he's building. Will we submit ourselves today? Will we seek after him today? Let's stand and pray. God, we come before you, and, and God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the creator God, the one who creates and who builds and who establishes. But God, we come to you as people who experience what the world has and, and we come to you broken. We come to you tired. We come to you with actual anxiety. And we say, God, come and speak to us. Come and remind us more deeply, more personally, that you are the God who is for us, that you are the God who builds, who protects, who what your hand pushes forward, no one can stop. Give us the rest that we can find only 
in you, God. And perhaps you're here today and you're just broken. You're just tired. You don't have much hope left. I feel God saying, you are welcome. Come in. Come into his rest. Put, take off the burdens that you're carrying, for you were never meant to actually carry them. That's not what he has for you. See, he sent Jesus so that he would carry those things for you. And what that looks like is submitting to him. So God, we choose to submit to you today and we ask your spirit to come and to reveal to us the things hidden in our hearts, the things that you're calling us to release and let go to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.